Mark, how are you, sir? I'm all good. And yourself, Max? Yep. Uh, try to keep dry. It is a bit uh, wet, isn't it? We all know what that is like. Right. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Max McGilbury. This is the esteemed uh, Mark Campbell. We're just waiting for all the social media feeds to uh, to to kick in. I can see that uh, that Zoom is working. Um, I've got a bank of uh, social media lights. Mark, it's a bit like a, a form Formula One uh, starting grid. I can see what what's, uh, what links are working and what links aren't working. I can see we've got a problem with Facebook today, and uh, the team are saying <laughs> the team are saying it's a bit like having an, an old old tractor. That uh, you know where those old tractors were when they don't start. You've got to get out the rubber mallet and you've got to thump the starter until until it starts. Well, that's that's how Facebook is looking to operate today. Um, and the team has said, we've just got to fill for about 30 seconds. Tell you what, let's get, should we just be a bit cheeky, Mark, and get everyone in? And we'll just ask them a quick question. Tom, Chris, Charles, just, just open your, your videos. Right, what, what's for filling? Here's a question for you. What do you love about agriculture? Tom, go on, you go first. What do you love about farming? Um, early mornings, late nights, loads of work, rubbish pay. Yeah, and over and above that, what do you love? Love it. No, I just, that's the main thing, really. Absolutely love it. Okay, so, so you wouldn't retrain as an accountant? Nah, too boring. Excellent. Chris, what do you love about farming? Oh, it's got a bit of variety, hasn't it? Go on, I, in what way? Oh, I think the fact that you could be doing it any one of a number of jobs at the start of the day, and then you will work through and you could be trying to, you get to work with people, you get to work with animals, you get to, I don't know, learn how to fix machinery, be an electrician. I mean, sometimes it's stressful, but it's quite nice to at least have an idea on how to do all those things or have Excellent. the right people on, on the place that can do it. <laughs> So, so Chris, anyone uh, watching in who hasn't got anything to do with agriculture but is interested in it, would you would you recommend agriculture farming as a career, Chris? Oh, I absolutely would. Yes. I think probably all of us would. Well, I'd like to think we all would. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it, would we? Yeah. <laughs> Ch Charles, what do you love about farming? The agricultural community is the best community in the world, in my opinion. And in um, summertime, we've got the best office in the world. Obviously, not when it's raining, but um, yeah, being outside, it's great. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, well done. And, and just in our green green room, we were talking about one of our one of our colleagues, Mark, weren't we? A lovely chap called um, Isaac, who's who's out uh, with the Nuffield Farming Scholarship, uh, um, in, in investigating uh, Chile. Oh, Facebook is coming on in ten seconds. Right, we're going to do this properly. Charles, Tom, Chris, to turn turn off your video. Da -da -da -da. Here we go. Right, everyone, are you ready? Right, Mark, are you ready? You're going to count us down, Mark, or shall I do it? I'm already. Let's go. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, my name is Max McGillivray from Beanstalk Global. Uh, proudly uh, looking to host the South of England Farming Technical Forums sponsored by Fram Farmers. Mark, do you want to just say hello to everyone and, and just give a bit of a background as to why we're here today, please? Yeah, good morning all. Uh, Mark Campbell here. And yes, I'm really pleased to be alongside Max and some esteemed guests uh, to deliver the first technical forum of 2024 for the South of England Show Society. And the purpose of the forums is to bring um, some individuals from the industry and to, to talk about some technical topics and get a bit more, more out of it. Uh, as we lead uh, towards our conference in November. Excellent. Well done. And uh, just to give um, um highlight again, uh, Fra Fram Farmers, if I could do this the right way around. Uh, Fram Farmers, if you don't uh, know of them, and who doesn't know Fram Farmers, how can Fram Farmers support you? They stand side by side with farmers nationwide, purchasing farm inputs, marketing crops, and acting as an extension to your farm office. Their teams provide independent advice and market-leading expertise, enabling you to make the best purchasing, trading, and administrative decisions for your business. And to find out more, just visit their website, 
brandfarmers.co.uk. I was having a look at the website yesterday and there's some uh, very, some of the directors on there I know uh, very, very well. So that's what I love, Mark, about these um, the likes of Fran Farmers. It's not only that they've got the expertise um, internally within their admin team, but the, the leadership team, they've got some people there who've got some fantastic working knowledge who can uh, assist farmers, uh, whether it be on day-to-day -day, um, elements, also, also strategic decisions. So uh, thank you very much for Fran Farmers for sponsoring today. So, so Mark, um, resilience, riding the roller coaster. This is a really interesting one. As we're all aware, currently there are multiple challenges and pressures faced both in our industry and lives. We wanted to create a pa panel to discuss and gain insight into how we are riding the current roller coaster and adapting our businesses to become more resilient and how we motivate the people around us whilst ensuring we all look after ourselves. So, Mark, should we just um, bring in our experts and uh, get, uh, get them in and uh, so we can out from them as to how they ride their roller coaster mark is that okay yeah bring them in bring them in tom charles chris in your pot please so gentlemen thank you very much for uh joining us let's get a bit of an understanding as to who you are and um eurovision style who you're representing tom over to you please so i'm a dairy farmer essentially so i've got um family tenancy at home look about 250 cows i'm a director of evolution farming we milk about three thousand cows ish over eight farms wow and um my industry roles i'm current chairman uh, vice chairman of nuffield farming scholarships trust in the uk and hope to become chairman in november um also and this isn't a joke current chairman of the thousand cow club which uh, most of my non-farming friends find highly amusing and most of my farming friends find really amusing and other stuff I'm involved with uh, um, on the committee of the Farmers Club in London and being oh, from West Yorkshire, I am definitely part of the northern levelling up process. So well done. I went to the Farmers Club to see a client the other day. Tom, what did I forget? My jacket and tie. So they're very, they're, they're, they're very kindly lent me one. So I won't. Ooh, yeah, be... a really nice one i would have thought as well that, that you that they lent you yeah yes <laughs> yes yeah chris over to you please who are you and who are you representing uh right good afternoon everyone um we are a uh, family run uh, dairy farm here in east sussex uh we're milking 450 cows uh we've got some exciting plans on the horizon to uh, build lots of expensive things and expand the herd to 650 cows um we've also recently taken on another farm to help sort of support our farm. So it gives you a bit of a bit of a background of where we are. Um, I'm afraid my list of extracurricular activities is far shorter than Tom's. Um, so I actually also helped to organise these South of England conferences. Um, silly, silly me, I missed a meeting and then I ended up being on one <laughs> instead. Um, and that is about it, I'm afraid. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Excellent. Charles, over to you, please. Hello, uh, my name's Charles Amion. I'm an arable farmer from uh, near Gainsborough in Lincolnshire. We're farming about 800 acres, um, uh, both tenanted and owned. We are very keen on the environmental side of things as well. Um, I am also away from the farm. I am a very proud ambassador of the wonderful Farming Community Network, a, a role you know, I'm delighted to, uh, to do. I'm also controversially on the committee which organises the Lincolnshire Farming Conference <gasps> up here, up here at home. And um, yeah, no. And last year I was a judge 
of uh, Farmers Weekly, Britain's Fittest Farmer Competition, which was, um, yeah, lots of fun, very interesting, and uh, yeah, great to be involved in. Excellent. Gentlemen, th thank you. Mark, there seems to be a, a common commonality with all, all three of our, our, our speakers, our panel, our, our expert, that they all do different things out, outside of them. Um, of, of farming perhaps that's something that we could we could dive into under this heading of resilience right right in the roller coaster and everyone if you're dialed in on zoom or any of the social media platforms if you've got any questions for, for charles tom chris or, or mark please pile them in um I, on the on the uh, various chat functions and uh, we'll, we'll pick them up and the and the brilliant wizard beth who are in the backgrounds from the south of england ag society will uh, will assist us uh, on that so mark come on how are we going to take this forward to, to find out more about uh from how how we can learn from from, from these chats because we all say with these type of broadcasts if people could go away with five things that they didn't know before that would be great that'd be a success all, all around so come on mark how, how can we find out more from chris tom and, uh, and charles do you think yeah no i've got we've got, got a few things uh planned but i think thinking about it first of all resilience is is, is a big word and, and, and my personal opinion on resilience particularly the ag, ag industry is that Farmers are pretty resilient. Whatever generally gets chucked at them, which gen are things generally that are out of their control, like the weather, we kind of get on it, we work around it, and we and we push forward. Uh, not to say that there's not massive, massive challenges out there to, to actually overcome them. I suppose let's, let's start and think about some of the bigger picture, bigger stuff. And we'll come to you first, Charles. So, like, the world is very challenging at the moment, whether it's in industry or whether it's even at home, with the cost of living and all sorts of things going on. What sort of specific big challenges has, have you and your business um, faced recently? Um, and how kind of you come up, overcome those kind of kind of challenges? What are the mountains that you've had to climb recently? Well, basically, we talk about um, input costs. We talk about, the, uh, the you know, the price of the price of wheat afterwards. But that's all, you know, largely irrelevant if you don't get crops in the ground. And the biggest challenge for us over, well, since we got the combine out last July has been the weather. It's been a very tricky time. Um, we obviously, it, it went, it got got a bit silly when, when we got the drill out. And um, it, it's just been such a struggle getting crops in the ground. And we are not in too bad order. The way we've overcome it is by i suppose paying such close attention to 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 ground conditions to weather conditions that when you do get a very small window to get back on the field we have uh, we have taken those and we got another 42 acres of wheat in in january in i think the only four hour period we could have, we could have done it in 2024 so it's just a case of uh paying close attention to the conditions and that's that's how we've tried to to, to get over so, so the weather's you know if you don't get the crops in the ground you, you don't have to worry really about input costs uh, or a lot of input costs or or wheat prices so um yeah no definitely weather for me yeah no and that's a really tricky one because it's something that again i've just said earlier you, you can't control and one of my colleagues david Udall, who's our economy economics director presented some figures um, earlier this week uh, following the, Nuffield, uh, the nfu conference um, that there's potentially 24% of, of, of crops that haven't actually been drilled this year, um, which we're hoping for a dry spring and, and those things need to be moved on. What about yourself, Tom? What, what, what in, the, in, the, in the world of dairy across multiple businesses, uh, what, was, what would your kind of big mountains be that you've had to, to overcome and climb well, recently? Still on with overcoming them, I think, um, would be probably the first caveat. But I think, I think making some big decisions, really. So we've got one, 
wand area that we we have just really struggled with. Um, for whatever reason, quick turnover of managers, X, Y, and Z. And we've, we've made the decision to stop milking there and and put it just as a heifer-rearing unit. Well, not just, but it's going to become a heifer-rearing unit and, and basically consolidate slightly. And I think, you know, these, these decisions aren't two-minute decisions. Uh, when you, you know, when you think in 2016, we had two farms milking 500 cows. So it's been a massive, exciting period of growth. And then, you, you know, then at the end of it, you cut, right, okay, we've, we've got this big business. How, how are we going to run it effectively? <laughs> and actually try and make some make some money um so i, I would say yeah it, that's been a big decision this year i the weather is just unbelievable really last year and, and that, that that's taken some because we farm in like like chris does we farm in a dry part of the world on the whole and um we're always panicking about running out of silage so this year with the clamp full of silage at home and silage analysis looking pretty good but we just couldn't get the cows to milk off it you know, it's stuff, stuff like that. You know, you're putting stuff in place and, and everything's come together. And then, yeah, being three or four litres of cow down this time last year and, and with the milk price, it's, you know, it, that is just a constant. Yeah, and they're, they're massive challenges. Those those big decisions, like you say, that the business that, that, that you've created to to, act, to make those decisions to to stop milking on a unit for the, for the right reasons uh, must have been a very, very big one. And, and, and then, like you say, with not... Just being able to get that, that group of cows ticking on, um, that must have been really, really difficult to, to push forward. Chris, all about yourself. Um, I think probably similar to what everybody else has said, uh, certainly uh, the weather is always, always presents quite a sizable challenge for us, doesn't it? Um, and it's funny what you say, Tom, about trying to get on and make silage, and it's sort of like there's, there's quite a number of moments in farming where you have one or two days which are going to set you up for the rest of the year, and it's you know it's sort of make or break isn't it um i would say sort of aside from that we uh, have had a fairly turbulent autumn this come uh this autumn just gone um so we've sort of been struggling with tb for a, a number of years now um we sort of seem to ebb and flow and come in come in and out of it um we had the business took a real big hit and we lost 70 cows at the beginning of november um which was challenging um, and then on the side of that, just a few other sort of, you know, smaller issues going on on the side, really. But obviously, all of those things amount to make it quite a challenging time, don't they? Um, but thankfully, by having a decent decent team around us and, you know, a bit of positivity, we've managed to get through that. But um, yeah, I'd say that's probably been the biggest challenge we've had to overcome this year anyway. Team, it is... It is... Can I, can I just say it? it is crazy, isn't it? That we've got this this problem in the short term. We've got the problem of of, of um, water saturation. I'm just looking out of my, my office window in Paris at Edmonds, and uh, uh, we, we're, we're, up, we're up here um, in Spain. I don't know if you've picked up because you're so busy um, in, in your in your own worlds. But there's a drought in uh, some of the salad producing um, areas, um, and that that's just been exacerbated. So we've got this this problem over here and that problem. Over there, and uh, it's, it's a conversation for, for another time, all around um, climate change. But yeah, it does, it does seem to be um, more and more of these uh, weather pressures uh, co coming at us. Sorry, Mark. Over to you. No, you, you jump in, and that's something like that. I was fortunate enough to be away last week in Austria skiing, and it really surprised me how warm and how lack, how much lack of snow there was in a region that normally is is, is, is very snow, which is stuff that's well out 
um, well out of our control. So it's some some big major challenges there that that you guys are, are, are not insignificant in terms of in terms of, of overcoming, whether it be not having crops in the ground or making some massive decisions to change a business or or losing a fair chunk of, of your herd, which you can't really plan really plan for. So let's think think about what's what strategies, um, if you could share some strategies and so, some ways that you've implemented um, things to, to, to kind of make your businesses and you more resilient um within these these current pressures um what what have you done tom to try and build that resilience with you and and your, and your business um i think my business my business we um sold uh, a third of it a couple of years ago to some non-dairy farming people and that's been really interesting to get an industry you know non-dairy industry viewpoint on it all <laughs> a lot it's a lot less emotional a lot more, more clean cut uh knowing certainly knowing far beyond your facts and figures and um so we have a, a structure of board meetings every month and we now have um a weekly call uh with our finance department and we also put in place all our sort of senior managers we have a call on a monday morning and we look at um you know actions that people should have achieved last week and whether they achieved them or not roll them forward to next week if needs be and uh actions for the week ahead so everybody knows where they're doing how can people help each other out and yeah that's that's been good business wise i guess personal resilience the big one for me and you that's probably still your thunder on another question but um surrounding yourself with positive people like the the Nuffield farming for me is is the big hitter on that. Um, just just no matter what, you've got people you can ring up and get revitalised, or go to the conference or the dairy group. And same with Thousand Cow Club, you know you've got people that are having similar issues and all the rest of it. You just know you you've got a big group of people that you can ring any time. And I think also in, in, if your enthusiasm ever does slightly wane. We've, in Nuffield, we're setting up a Next Gen Award, like a Young Nuffield Award, and we're interviewing eight absolutely amazing uh, wow. 18 to 24-year-olds, and we're going to offer a couple of them the chance to do a mini Nuffield tour. And, and that's, you know, no matter what's going on in the world, when you when you have a day of interviewing those guys and how enthusiastic and the future of industry, and, you know, it really does, it's that shot in the arm that, that you need to, uh, to, to crack on really. Yeah, definitely makes things worthwhile, and, and I think definitely the, the point around relationships and people is is is, is true. The, the world's built around relationships, and 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 you need to harvest uh, of those things. In terms of the bringing somebody into the business, that must have been a fairly big decision um, to make. Um, as as that massively changed how the business is is run now with with that fresh set of eyes in terms of the structures and and, and things like that, or. Yeah, probably not. Um, not the system. The system is still basically the same. But I just, I, I think farming is an emotional industry. We live and breathe it. You know, whether we like to or not, admit we're all seven day a week type operators. I would have thought. And do you know what? I get the feeling that most other industries aren't like that. It is Monday to Friday doing the job, and uh, yeah. 
a lot a lot less emotion involved and all the rest. So yeah, no, very interesting to hear hear stories of other industries. And one of one of the groups I enjoy being with is multi-site dairy group. We meet twice a year, and uh, Isaac Van Heerden runs it, and um, we have non-dairy farming speakers. So from McDonald's franchisee holders to Ineos and anybody in between. And it's that sort of stuff, you know, lessons from other industries. It's really important. I, I've just got, Mark, I've just got to jump in. I don't know if, uh, if uh, everyone picked up that in Australia, there's a new law that's just uh, come out that um, if you don't want to, you don't have to receive um, action emails from uh, Close to Play Friday to um, Monday morning, which, 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 is, which is great for those businesses. But Tom, can you imagine that if you... Uh, you're not going to answer any calls, any emails, or do any actions on on your farm from Friday to Monday morning. Is that okay? Well, I think I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. I think it just our reality of yeah. dairy farming in particular is a twenty four seven operation, and stuff does happen to go wrong. And then when you're at our scale, it goes wrong on the scalable scale. <laughs> so. Yeah. I and I completely agree with that. And I think there's a lot of other industries and a lot of my friends and colleagues on, I'm an odd one out in my family. I'm a non-farmer, I'm a townie. Um, I was born in the town. A lot of my friends aren't from, from agricultural backgrounds, um, but run businesses and it's not a nine to five operation. There is a bit. We've had an interesting question come in from FC and actually are dialing in. So I'm glad you're, you're here, um, which we appreciate, completely appreciate people are committed to their jobs and it's not nine to five, but burnout is a real, real issue how would the panel um, find or what would there be advice to be able to find that work-life balance, which is very, very different in difficult in, in, in agricultural industries? Who would like to have a go at answering that one? Chris, do you want to have a go? Yeah, go on then. I'll, uh, I'll have a crack at that. Um, yeah, it, I think we're all very good at sitting here and saying that we would really like to probably work a bit less and that you know we should maintain a positive work-life balance and we should see more of our family and more of our friends and you know all the things we've heard before but you're right saying it and doing it are two very different things aren't they um i think probably my best bit of advice is and it comes back to what tom said is getting a really good team of people around you um and there's so many things that i'm sure everyone does to you know little things here and there to try and get those people and to keep those people around you but ultimately what that does is it once you have a decent team of trustworthy people on farm, which we are very, very fortunate to have, that gives you the confidence to say, actually, you know, like I'm off this weekend and whatever happens, my team can deal with it. You know, you're on the end of the phone, you can deal with an emergency. Um, and I think as I, I can't really give you one specific way or reason, but I think you have to try and get a hold of decent people and then you have to trust them to do the job that you're <laughs> that you've got them in place to do and yeah that that that's how i'm able to turn off i think yeah that's a, it's a good point and it must be and again i i can't speak because i'm not i'm not directly a farmer but it must be really really difficult to sit on your hands and actually make that conscious effort to take a bit of time out of the business uh, to do whatever whether it be an afternoon an hour lunch with the missus what whatever that that may be it must be really really difficult um, but a good point there in terms of surrounding yourself with good people and, and trusting the team to, to to deliver. Charles, what about yourself? Any any? How will we prevent burnout? Well, the thing for me is, you know, I'm like um, Chris and Tom. I don't, you know, have livestock, so this time of the year it's it's a bit easier. And if I um, if I get a uh, a spare weekend, I'm very keen to. Um, 
you know, have a word with the better half and I'll say Saturday morning, we are going to disappear up to North Yorkshire Moors. We'll get on booking.com, book somewhere cheap. We'll take the walking boots. We will, you know, walk, you know, a fair few miles. We'll have dinner. We'll have a few beers and just get away from it. I can say, you know, as I say, it's easier, easier when you're, when you're an arable farmer, but, um, just, just to, you know, get out of the pressure cooker occasionally. And, you know, when you're walking in the North Yorkshire moors and, um, you're not worried, worrying so much about the weather, which you can't change at home. And um, and also, obviously, I'm fairly fairly keen on my on my physical exercise. And in especially in harvest time, when when it's a real really busy time, I always get my trainers on six o'clock in the morning uh, before the phone starts ringing, before the combine starts breaking down, and I will leave the phone at home and. Um, just go out for 45 minutes, an hour of, of peace and quiet, just just have a bit of a reset. And I think that's really important just to just to take just to take a bit of time away from it. So as and when and just take your opportunities when you can. Yeah, I think that's the key. That's definitely the key. The the taking the opportunities when you can that hopefully at some point through the farming year, whatever enterprise and business you're operating there is a little bit of a lull and a, a, a downtime that you should capitalize on that and, and, and take a bit of a break you, mark can I, can I just jump in because there's something that you and i've uh, discussed with uh, numerous other broadcasts that i never know where i quite got it uh, from i think it was from cranford university that there's this arbitrary uh figure thought that the, the better leaders spend 25 percent of their time thinking so if it's um if it's charles going for a run uh, before his combine um break, breaks down or tom on the way to to nuffield or chris on, on his on his way to hockey just to be able to have that time to, to think to get away from the from the pressure cooker and to I love the Nuffield connotation to actually be mixing with with people who are going to energize you so you're going to come back and energize so any problem that you had when when you left actually might not be a problem might might be an opportunity so I just love that that and I know it's so difficult in 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 farming world but that thought that the better leaders spend twenty five percent of their time thinking um, so that they can plan for the future or or, or work around potential issues and create create a positive um, uh, from that Mark over to you. Yeah, no, no, really good point uh, there, Max. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that, Tom? As a twenty-four seven farmer, the with a with a with a young family as well, what, what, what ways would would you prevent sort of burnout, or what strategies would you try and implement? Um, I mean, it's it's um, quite odd. I mean, one one thing I always say about dairy farming: if if somebody is a dairy farmer and you, you say what do you do, they always say dairy farm. If somebody is any other sort of farmer, they just say farmer. So I don't know what the connotations of that are, but it just means we're probably a bit ego-driven, fired up <laughs> characters. I'm not sure, but because uh, I'm because I'm on the road and around the different farms during the week, I actually quite enjoy milking my own cows at home on the weekend. Oh, yeah. lovely! Especially because I've got my my 17-year-old boy is working on his year out. But I've got my 15-year-old boy. I've got my 16-year-old niece that helps me as well, and then I've got um, a nephew who comes every other weekend. So, you know, so actually, we have a, a really good weekend. Sounds really sad. I know. I can see Charles' face. I know it's sad. But we have a great weekend, swinging some cups around and getting done in better time and all the rest of it. I think the other real cool thing we've done recently is one of the guys decided on on the biggest farm in Leicester to start a five-a-side team. And uh, every Monday night now, uh, the farm the farm is, is a team in the local five-a-side league. You know, one of these places where they have sort of seven or eight pitches, AstroTurf pitches. Yeah. 
And that is cracking to the point where anybody on our contracting team or building team always makes sure they happen to be at that farm on a Monday night. <laughs> and, uh, even if uh, you're not playing, just to watch and support. And, and the crack now on a Tuesday is not, you know, what was the milk ticket yesterday? Well, what was the score last night? Excellent. And it has, you know, that that for team building. I know it's scalable because it's, it's a large farm with, with a lot of people working there. But it's, you know, even I play, which is hard to believe. And I, I was subbed at the same time as a guy that was the oldest player, obviously, in the other team. He says, us old boys do all right, don't we, really? I said, well, how old are you? He said, 33. And I said, I'm 46 this year. So I'll <laughs> That's such a good, that's that's a really good example of, of, of a really good strategy of, 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 of trying to get off out and about, get your get your heart rate up. I'm, I'm a great believer in getting the heart rate up and I'm definitely in Charles's camp in terms of the early morning running to set me up for the day. But there's some, some good strategies there about trusting the team, about taking your opportunities, but also it, it, it doesn't, I hate it when people say to me, oh, you're, 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 you're working still at seven o'clock in the evening. Well, that's because I choose to, and I know how to regulate. I try and regulate when I work and when I don't want to work. And I've, I've completely empathised that with you, Tom. You're a very passionate, uh, well, all of you are very passionate farmers and, and you love doing your job and spending the weekend with cows, which are the best thing in the world. I'm sorry, Charles, um, with family, it, it must be, must be fantastic, which is pretty good. And I might just, but might just to, to give an, another another anecdote. We, we I did a lot of work with them in Africa, and I remember interviewing them, uh, an, an amazing lady who's a big buyer for a big South African uh, retailer, and, and South Africa produces oh, near on nine million tons of fresh, fresh produce um, a year. And they always have issues, whether it be weather, labour, um, uh, 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 freight issues. And as, as she says, Max, never waste a crisis. Never waste a crisis. There's always a positive that can that can come from it. So I suppose if you've got a scenario of the silos broken or, or something, you, you you you're going to find a way of making that better, and you're going to learn from it. So it's I just I always love that that expression of never waste a crisis, Mark. Yeah, no, definitely. You never always take the positive out of the negative, and you never know what you might might learn. So Chris, just building on um, one of the points that you made earlier about surrounding yourself with good people. Um, and having a really good team around you you've had a pretty challenging autumn with various things losing 70 cows off off the farm with the volatility of the markets and things like that how do you maintain that motivation within um within your small team uh, on the farm and um, to remain that sort of engaged and focused and 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 as, as the leader of the business um to keep things going in the in the right track um I think there's a number of different ways that we would try and keep the team motivated. Um, one of which I think we try to be ruthlessly positive, which is, really? I know that everybody would probably say the same thing and sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's more difficult, but fundamentally sort of like Max was saying, like that even with situations that seem, I don't know, horrible at the time, there is always a positive. The positive for us on the TV side was, well, thank goodness we were looking at herd expansion because we may have delayed herd, delayed herd expansion by another year, but at least we still have a herd of dairy cows that will run at a profitable level. Um, and, you know, other positives to pull out of that. The guys, despite having a number of animals, you know, taken from the herd and obviously they're never the animals that you'd want to lose. Still, our team is managing to achieve performance. You know, they are exceeding what we managed to do last year on a number of different levels um so i think you know you you can always find those positives and it's then making sure that there's sort of I don't know, open and honest communication with everyone so that they're all aware of what's going on 
Um, so uh, again, sort of to jump back to to missing meetings, you know, I missed the prep meeting for this on Tuesday, but that's one of our sort of non-negotiables is that every month, six weeks, we have a um, we have a, a proper team meeting that involves the farm nutritionist and involves the vet, and it's just to get together on like what are we doing well, what are we doing badly, how can we improve. Uh, and you know it's quite a big one because it's the end of serving so you do the big old wrap up and see how it's all gone and from from here on in as an autumn calving herd you know we're cruising we'll turn some cows out and we'll go and make some grass so you know that those meetings are really important because everybody is is absolutely bought in to how we're getting on and therefore hopefully keeping an eye out on on what we as a team can do better um other things that we would try and do is I think get the team out and about. So again, following on from what Tom said, like get out and go out for dinner, provide people some food, go and you know do activities as a team, and all of that just allows everybody to get away from thinking about farming for a little bit and just to you know bond as a team and okay, have a bit of fun. Really, <laughs> we we all spend an awful lot of time with each other, so it's quite important to be able to get off and do something other than farming, essentially. Um, yeah, I think that probably about covers it, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it's all good. And there's some good points there about just you're not underestimating the team in terms of taking that positive out of what could be a catastrophe. Um, and I like the food point that the food always goes down well. In my day job at AHDB, um, definitely if I turn up on farm, it's always some form of cakes, and you could kind yeah. of generally want something or want someone to do something for me. Which always... bacon is rarely rarely received uh, received badly is it exactly exactly <laughs> charles what about yourself up in lincolnshire conscious that you possibly haven't got a massive team but how would you um, um maintain those kind of motivations with people around you um for the business through the challenging times well as chris says uh just got to re remain positive um we're also very aware on our little farm that um you know, there's always someone worse off than yourself. And when you see what's going on around the world, um, you know, struggling to get crops in in Springthorpe doesn't always seem, you know, that important, if you know what I mean, compared to compared to a lot of that. But I suppose we've got a very small team. We've got one chap that works for us. We always have a morning meeting every morning. Uh, Tom, my father and myself uh just to you know get his ideas get our ideas and just communication and also this time of the year if he you know wants a bit of family time if his son's going swimming and he wants to go and watch that you know we we we're very open to that because there's plenty of the year when when you know he doesn't get to see his family much as much so it's just a case of you know, encouraging him to to at this time of the year because um, you know with these weather conditions, there's only so many times you can clean, wash, and service the combine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so providing that flexibility and good, effective communication, um, and and just giving a bit of time when when you can be be there sounds yeah really really good. Tom, I'm going to come to you, but add a little bit of a spin because conscious that you've got a slightly bigger team um, across multiple sites. Do you find there's any differences in terms of your your techniques for motivating for the different generations, for the millennial to the to the Gen Z? Would there be anything different that you would do uh, across your team? And the people yeah, I, like things are like it sounds it's a cliche, isn't it? But think things are changing quite fast. And actually, five years ago, it was just about 
you know, almost Wolf of Wall Street-esque wall-to-wall drinking uh, um, boys and girls, no matter who, they would just want to, you know, night out was about half four in the morning, straight milking, whatever, just full on. Yeah. And that that's what they wanted. And that, that drove the team to, be, you know, and I think today um, things are different. And, and, I, and I'll use the Nuffield example again. When I got my Nuffield scholarship in 05 and we went away for... 10 days and did our sort of contemporary scholars conference piece. It was about sleeping during the boring presentations during the day. So you had enough energy at night to meet all your new friends from around the world and, and drink yourself into oblivion. Whereas Isaac, having got it last year, I think they had a running club. So I think that would probably be the two extremes of, of where I think, so I think you're absolutely right. You need to cater for, for every, everybody in, in, in what you do. And I think, you know, just the other week, it sounds ridiculous, but said said to the guys on the farm, let's not, come on, we'll go out for lunch. No, there was 11 of us went out for lunch. We went to Weatherspoons. We were, we, they had a drink and a main course. They were there and back in an hour. The total bill came to 110 quid. Everybody said in all their previous jobs, their boss had never taken them out for lunch. No. Wow. You know, and it's like, right, this is 110 quid. This is not like a thousand quid. You know, mm. and it, and it's, yeah, it was a bit like, it can be a bit awkward as well, especially about the younger ones. Like, oh, this is a bit odd. You know? <laughs> but actually, I think the, feed, the feedback was was really, really positive. And I, and I think that's the challenge. And I said this to, to uh, my two eldest kids. And I said, you know, they're going to have different challenges to me again, because this, the new well, post-COVID, again, cliche, things are different. There's no doubt about it. And, um, and it, it's different things that people want. That, that's going to be the challenge. Yeah, no, it's tapping for in. An, for an old, for older end, and I know, like, for an older end, more traditionalist, like myself, yeah. Victorian values type thing. Like, it is, it is really difficult to get your head around. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest challenge. And just under, I, I speak as a parent, and I look at my fifteen-year-old and my fourteen-year-old, and in terms of their drivers, are very, very different to what my drivers were when I was that um, that age. And we just need to try and tap into that. And just like you say. Just taking them out to lunch, nowhere fancy, just to Weatherspoons for an hour um, that costs the business minimal, um, 10 quid ahead, is, it, it really pays um, pays dividends, Max. I've just had a, had, a, had a WhatsApp saying, uh, Tom, next time you go to Weatherspoons, can you tell us your table number so we can buy you all a drink? You're brilliant. Oh, awesome. <laughs> why, why do you think I bought up the story? <laughs> <laughs> De definitely, all, definitely all over that. Yeah, okay. yeah. You you know you're, what you get delivered. You get a pint. You get a pint of milk delivered to your table. We'll table take 39. anything. We'll take anything. <laughs> Excellent. Mark, Mark, do you want to have a look at uh, the questions that have just come in on the on Zoom? Because there's some interesting ones there. Yeah. No, we've got a question here from from Alan Smith. Hello, hi there, Alan. Good to good to hear from you. He would like to know from the panel um, that you've talked about teams quite a bit, uh, a bit, uh, uh, and people around your business. Have you got any ideas of how we can encourage more of the next generation into our fabulous industry? Who would like to start with that one? Chris is nodding, so we we'll go for you first. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, to just say yes to them, quite simply. Um, we get heaps of people that get in contact, perhaps not on a weekly basis, probably every couple of weeks, they're looking for you know an opportunity on the farm. Yeah, you know, I am. Very, very. I can't stress enough how fortunate I am to have grown up on a farm and to have, you know, found the vocation I wanted to do right from the word go, and sort of not really strayed from that path. 
Um, but there are so many other people that are so keen to get into this industry, but it's quite a big deal for them just to send a message to someone and to ask the question. So we owe it to all of those people to turn around and say, yes, come and have a chat to us, see what the farm's like, you know, give them a half hour, an hour of your time. Um, and out of that, they might decide that they want to come along and have a go at it for one day a week, or they might decide that it's not for them. And you never know, we've had two or three really good people that have worked their way up through our business that have come from, you know, just a, a knock on the door or a chat at the farm gate. So yeah, I think just, just say yes to people. That's brilliant. So that's a good point. Tom, what about yourself? Yeah, I think in a, what I've done, like my own next generation, uh, I think the sort of thing for me, I, I feel a bit like Charles and Camilla as, as a middle generation here uh, <laughs> in terms of it, it felt like I was the next generation for about five minutes. And now my, my two eldest sons are talking about uh, when they're going to take over the farm, X, Y, and Z. I think, I think key drivers for, for those guys wanting to do this job is I was always just given beer money, even even when we took over the business in our mid-20s and then spent another five years working for beer money. And I think my kids and my niece and my nephew, they're getting paid properly for every, you know, they, they submit timesheets to payroll and, and they get paid every month for the appropriate amount for their age. And that has been a game changer. So that, that's the starting point. I think two is involving them in decisions very early on. COVID again, sorry, I'm boring about it, but that, that revolutionized my boys' life because they had a year in the business or oh. six months, whatever it was, in, in the business. So they, they got over learning about farming. Now they're learning about the business. So we're looking at swapping our tractor at home. So I... You know, on once I made sure it was a Saturday morning, and I arranged to take my two boys and the young lad that works for us on the farm as well, a drives a tractor, and I took all three of them to the dealership, and it was down to them to test drive them and decide Excellent. which one they wanted and specs and debate with the with the with the sales rep and it, it's stuff like that. And you know, we're talking taking some more land on at the moment, and had you know, and I actually had a three-way call with my two boys on a strategy around what we wanted to do with it, how much should we pay, you know. And I just think that's I never, you know, I was kicking a football around the garden at their age. I wasn't like <laughs> sat listening to or being active part of this. This and this is what's getting them fired up to do their own thing. So we've we've decided, Catherine and I have decided that we won't be in business with our kids, but they can sort of contract farm that sort of the home farm or, or whatever they want to do. And and so we'll support them in their business, but none of this, you know, all this will be yours one day. Very, very, a lot more clear cut. And don't worry, your mother will still help you do the books and <laughs> stop you spending money. Yeah. Um, and I'll do the opposite. So, you know, I think, I think that's there, but they're in, they're in more in charge of their own destiny. Yeah. Mark, can I just jump in? Um, yeah, I, I, I just say to everyone in the green room before we went live that um, I'm tonight. I'm off, off to Nottingham to see Caleb in uh, well, not not in concert because I don't think he sings, but he's he's doing this uh, two hour um, talk. And um, uh, the the um, one of the ladies from um, South of England show went and saw him in in, in Tunbridge Wells. So the reason for saying that if, if he's um, presenting to two and a half thousand people tonight and he's on a tour, he's, he's doing like. 25 days. Now's our time. We've got the likes of him encouraging um, everyone to come into the sector. But I suppose it's up to us now in the sector to make us as, ourselves as attractive as possible. And you know what, what I'm going to say, just make sure you're keeping your social media um, buzzy 
uh, exciting, um, interesting, because just as uh, Chris says, if you've got people coming in and they're coming in on the back of your social media, especially if, um, say, Charles is looking for more um, great grain runners or people to run the grain store in the summer and they look at your um, social media and think, oh, actually, that's that's quite interesting. It's just what Caleb said or or whoever. So I think it is been jingoistic. It is very much our time now that there's a, a lot of positivity out there. But just to capture these People, you know, all the stats from like so the NFU that six out of 10 kids don't know where fruit and veg comes from, um, let, let alone pure, pure uh, farming. So if, if we've got this opportunity to get them excited and they can see our social media and they can contact us direct and they're, and they're good, you could you could end up with some very good um, employees uh, for, for the long term. Mark? Can I, can I just come in on that? Max? Yeah, we, a couple of days ago, we've we've just done some new calf accommodation uh, on one of the big, the sort of biggest farm we've got where we spring calf. And I just took a video of some calves that have been bedded up and of the calf shed. Just a few seconds. I was just looking now. So that that was that was posted on Monday evening about half eight on our Facebook page. It, up to date, it's had 163,000 views. No. Wow. Uh, it's had 1.6 thousand or 1,600 Facebook likes from people all over the world. Like the names you look and you look yeah. like, in, we're, like we're getting pretty big in India. <laughs> whatever reason you know but, but that it's unbelievable isn't it people love videos it's, it's only had 30 shares but the outreach has been yeah, huge massive. and it's literally a 10 12 second video and the comments and no negative rubbish either and it it took i did it on my phone there and then load uploaded it on the old 4g yeah. and um yeah a couple of shares and you're away and it you know if, if we all did that about some positive stuff you cannot beat calves running around a shed yeah, all around the field or whatever, can you know? Like, if I if I can echo that, please. You know, as farmers, we're very very good at, you know, talking about the negatives. Whereas in this day and age of social media or whatever, there's an awful lot of positives that that we just don't, you know, show off. So it's just a case of being more positive. In answer to Alan's question, will make farming a much more attractive place for, for for new entrants so yeah encourage include them pay them well but just be positive and you know positivity breeds positivity and um yeah that's my that's my thought well done. tom tom are you going to do more videos like that yeah definitely am if it gets more uh followers yeah. and all that but it, actually it, it, it's actually a worry because you, you stood there and you take a second to work out whether you should post it or not, because what you don't want is the anti-farming, yep. dairy farming lobby getting stuck into you and notification after. And that. But actually this, this up to this point, and you know, you do, it's mind blowing, isn't it? The amount of people yeah. that love viewing videos and Testament, Tom Pemberton, Grassman, yeah. the amazing stuff they do. Yeah. Other brands are available. <laughs> you, you can get, well, I think the point the point is, and it, and I will cite Tom Pemberton. I'm sure when Tom Pemberton started, all his local farmers would have slagged him off to high heaven. Yep. But he carried on and he carried on. He pushed on, and now everybody will be like, "Crikey, he's built a whole new farm on the back of his YouTube channel." Or whatever, yeah. You know. And his outreach is to be a half a million subscribers. Yeah, yeah, and, and just to reiterate that that thread that if you're looking to attract younger generation into your your farm, if you're doing um, videos like like to Tom, it's going to make 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 you attractive to 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 to, to come and work for Mark. 
yeah i think there's there's a we're talking about resilience today i think in terms of labor and and that kind of stuff is a major challenge within within farming and lots of other industries at the moment by providing that positive message tailing to the next generation um will hopefully attract some i can speak from my personal experience as a non-farmer unfortunately the, the gentleman that that introduced me to the world of agriculture in my career and i'm probably testament to where i am today to his family business unfortunately died a few weeks ago but that was because they embraced they said yes they let me in i started cleaning out calf pens at the age of 12 um, and work my way my, my way up and embrace that farming community that charles talked about earlier that 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 infused my passion for cows and uh, and for the industry but i think we need to do that i look at my son who's 15 he hasn't got a clue what he wants to do and unfortunately probably would never persuade him to go into the world of agriculture but it's how do we that sponge at that age how do we um get them to see the, those those great positive things of uh, of the industry yeah, and, and and again, Mike, on this point about resilience, did he did he see how Tom smiled when he said about his uh, about his video? You could see his, Tom Tom I'm just going to put words in your mouth. He, he was so proud of being able to do that, and and you could see that 150,000 people um, uh, globally were were, were proud um, were, were proud as well. So that that resilience side, if you can find ways to to show uh, how what agriculture is and and how in interest hence my sort of slightly jingoistic question right at the beginning of what what do you enjoy about 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 farming i'm going to pick on accountants again who no pay so accountants but who wants to be an accountant when you can have a, a lifestyle like 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 tom chris and uh and charles oh i oh, know i'm gonna get well, not, gonna not get my some... lifestyle but the other two i'm sure especially oh. chris because he, he's in the south of england club which means he shoots four days in the season <laughs> He's <laughs> at least twice a winter, and then obviously two two summer holidays uh, yeah. on some island somewhere. So, yeah. I see my my excuse is always to say be that, more Chris, be more Chris and less Tom. <laughs> yeah, be more yeah. arable farmer and less dairy farmer, isn't that what it's meant to be? <laughs> <laughs> but, but Mark, Mark, whilst these two these three are ripping each other, this it's the farming community that I think if anyone is is suffering from lack of resilience, they've just got to lean on on their on their community, haven't they? Whether, whether it be locally within the farming uh, sector or um, as Tom has obviously done very well as a direct example with the, with the likes of Nuffield or or, or Charles um, with, with the FCN. It's, there's so much to go at within the farming sector rather than, let's not pick on accountants, being an engineer of ball bearings. Can you imagine what the, the community is within the ball bearing sector? Well, I think one, one of the wonderful things as well about being a farmer is like we are not in direct competition with our neighbours. Yeah, well done. Well you know, we, we are able to sit there and chat about our issues and find solutions and and share information with them because you know there's no no real competitive advantage there, is there? Yeah. Well, Unless you're Tom. Statistically, though, Chris, people end up working with the next door but one neighbour, not the neighbour, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's it's just it's just that making sure you 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 keep talking to your neighbours when things are going well, but more importantly when they're not going well. Yeah, and all that. I suppose my role. As a, a as a mental health ambassador, is to sort of try and break the stigma surrounding uh, mental health, and just to get people get people talking. A problem uh, shared is a problem halved, and all that kind of thing. And with our wonderful agricultural community, we've got lots of people to talk to, and um, it's much more healthy than keeping any problems to yourself. Yeah, well yeah. done. The, the yeah. other one I, I'd always do when when I'm doing a, a talk to a group of farmers or whatever is that finding trying to find the right life partner is the way to go. Because <laughs> if 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 you want resilience, like two two's better than one. You, you know, for in my for me personally, 
and I know we're past Valentine's Day. That definitely didn't get Catherine anything. So I'm definitely doing a bit of making up here. But you know, having the right life partner is is mind, you know, is, is a game changer. On on national TV, Mark Tom says that he loves his wife. I think that I think that was the message, wasn't it? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I'll let you smile again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. She's she 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 probably. I think she still loves me, but she doesn't like me anymore. I think that's what she says. <laughs> But she probably won't when when she when she hears that and she says, uh, "Here's you say you go for two life partners rather than one." <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but but this so whole, guys, this whole, whole point about re- resilience is a, a term I, I know in business. I occasionally hear that we're all in business for two things: to, to have fun and to make money. And I, I don't think make, making money is a dirty word. I remember Princess Anne saying it at Oxford Farming Conference uh, last year that very eloquent speakers this this, uh, this morning, this morning session, but no one mentioned profit. We all need to make a, a profit. I get the feeling from you three that you're not caretakers of what you're doing. And if anything, that one of the counters for you to, to, to give you resilience is ambition um, to, to keep you to keep you going forward. So you're always looking at the, 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 the next thing. Um, Charles, would I be right that you've got this ambition and that's um, and anything sort of that would not your resilience? You think, well, no, no, I know where I'm going, and I know, I know this is the strategy. Just, just, just keep keep on going. So, is that is that your ambition to take your business further forward, Charles? Does that does that help you with the with, around this whole resilience element? Absolutely. I, I think at the end of the day, you see an awful lot of stuff on social media about people thinking farmers are, you know, out out for profit, and you know more shame them but at the end of the day we need to especially encouraging new people to the industry we are a business and we're not a public service you know all this public sectors for public good we've got to do you know good for the public but essentially we are a business we've got to act like a business we've got to behave like a business and we've got to drive ourselves forward like a business yeah um, yeah well done chris do you find the same that that helps you, um, you with your resilience, your your drive, your your, your strategy, take taking the team with you. <laughs> I think there's no doubt that a bit more money in the bank account hey, uh, makes life a bit easier, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with Charles. You know, we're we're all all sort of talking a good game about how we manage our businesses. But you're right, if we if if we're not making a profit, ultimately we are not a resilient business, are we? We're not able to reinvest or put some time into the next generation that are coming through or any of those other things or, or take our guys out for for lunch or for activities or whatever ultimately all of that you know requires some money and if we're not profitable then all those sorts of things are the types of things that slip by the wayside aren't they and then that's it's a slippery slope yeah I, I was speaking to a strawberry farmer last last week and he was so so excited that he, he's caught in this uh the, the retail trap that he's dealing with the retailer and or everything that goes around uh, with that um he got contacted by um a japanese uh, uh company who knew this was a thing but uh, japan is short of um strawberries that are unripened so white at the top because they um they're cosmetically they look very good good on cakes so he's he's now setting up a relationship where he's uh, supplying unripened strawberries at something like 10 times the margin um to uh to to japan um and he's taking his family out um, in a couple of months to uh on on holiday but also to meet these uh these people and he's just so excited that there's a another income stream uh to be to be has so i suppose it's a, it's a it's a it 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 might might work but it's exciting for him it's just, just another way of, of of looking at things and to to give to give you more resilience if you're going to be positive as i think charles said uh, that that's definitely going to help help your resilience mark yeah, no, all good. And I've got one one sort of uh, question that's a bit more targeted to Charles around 
we've talked a lot today about a lot of things around business resilience, around teams, around personal. Um, thinking a bit more about the personal and self-care and looking after yourself, obviously one of the biggest challenges within ag is actually making that first step to actually doing something. And I don't want to dwell on your, your running, but you now run a million squillion miles a week and um, have completely transformed yourself. But my question is, what would your advice be to, for, to make that step, to step away from the business, to do something different, whatever that may be? How did you go about it and what what what, what was the, the trigger? Well, basically, I used to swim a lot before COVID and I used to snack quite a lot before COVID. So going into COVID, I was essentially a 17 stone man and no being being short um you know that 17 stone certainly certainly shows and then covid happened and they shut the swimming pool and i thought crikey if i don't do anything i'm going to end up 20 stone and i'd always been a bigger guy you know i've been prop forward since i was four years old and um so basically, I thought, well, it's looking like running. So that's the only thing you can do around here. And then I didn't think anything more of it. Then I got challenged by Liz Hogarth, who's a, you know, in the dairy industry, dairy farmer from Dent up in Cumbria, who challenged me to run five for the NHS. And I thought, well, showing willing on social media, I've been showing willing on social media for years. I decided to find my trainer, which I couldn't. And obviously all the shops were shut. So I, I went into my orchard, which was newly mown, and walked a bit, well, walked a lot and jogged a bit barefoot because I didn't have any training for about 45 minutes. And I thought, well, that's probably, you know, I can pass that off as 5K. And then I got some trainers delivered. And I think everybody thought me in a running career, including myself, would be absolutely dreadful. And... Um, you know, I went out and I've got quite an addictive personality. And it turned out that I was actually not as bad as I thought. So I kept doing it and kept doing it. And I got quicker and I got thinner. And, you know, especially getting thinner, it, it, it really encouraged me. And, um, yeah, nine months of the day of, of running around my orchard barefoot, I ran my first marathon and uh, then got approached by the farming community network a wonderful charity who um you know i've always you know i supported during my my first marathon and uh to be their ambassador and whilst i've always been very lucky with my mental health i've had off days everybody has off days but i've always been very fortunate a lot of those close to me haven't and it's just a case of if i can take this and run with it i can normalize the whole mental health thing for them and hopefully break, break the stigma for them and um, hopefully for many other people in the industry as well. So that's that's how I got running, essentially by accident. And um, yeah, no, you're now training for my fifth marathon, really enjoying it personally. And um, you're really delighted and grateful that, that so many people have essentially come on the journey with me. And uh, as I say, you know, really delighted to be involved with FCN. Mark just, just Mark, just to say, I don't, I don't recognise the, the number, but I just had a WhatsApp saying, Charles, Charles is the Daniel Craig of Lincolnshire. <laughs> I've so, been called many things before, but never that. But no, thank you. Take, take that one. <laughs> so a tongue-in-cheek challenge from Liz Hoggart and COVID, and, and there we are now. So it can be anything that can trigger these kind of things, and you just need to... Do, do, you, know, do you know the lucky point for me, Mark? The, the, the lucky thing for me is when I see people I haven't seen for a while, I say, oh, you're looking well. Have you lost some weight? Or you've lost some weight. That's the nice thing is people remember me fatter than I really am. 
So if, <laughs> if, if they think of Tom Rosa, they think of somebody like 25 stone, not 18. So that, that's quite a nice way of not having to lose any weight. You <laughs> can still feel good about yourself. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Anyhow, I'm conscious, um, Max. I think we're running out of time, aren't we? Yeah, I just, I just think, think it's been a, a really lovely, lovely, lovely mix. One thing that we haven't mentioned, guys, is humour. It's, uh, yeah, I think the more the more we laugh, the more we smile, the more positive we are, and the the, the better, better resilience that 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 we have. We, Mark, we need to get these three on stage with with Caleb. Can you imagine that? Okay, Kevin, just get pushed aside. Have a chat with him tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, leave, leave it with me. We <laughs> could be the warm-up act. <laughs> Excellent. So, I'm um, yeah conscious that we're 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 running out of time, and and everyone wants to to grab and grab, grab some lunch. But just quickly to the panel, one one piece of advice, guidance, one share nugget. What would you share with the viewers in terms of um, how we could answer today's questions of resilience, and how do we ride that roller coaster? as we move into 2024. Chris, we'll go to you first, just very quick point. What would your nugget of information be? Um, I think it would probably be that first of all, that tomorrow will hopefully always be better. <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes you encounter issues, you encounter challenges and you think, my God, how are we gonna get over this? And normally once you have a bit of a chance to stop, take stock, think about it, you find a way around it and life all of a sudden is not so bad. Um, and I think sort of picking on what Charles was saying, like talk to people as well. <laughs> Not just when things are going well, but when things are going badly, because actually quite often that's when when it's far more valuable. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. What about yourself, Charles? Back yourself, have a bit of faith in yourself. And you don't know if you don't try and if it doesn't work out. Uh, pick yourself up, dust yourself down and go again. Boom. Love that. Well done. And last but not least, Tom. Yeah, I know I'm boring about it, but I've no choice because I'm vice chairman of it. But something like Nuffield Farming, just just get involved, you know, get get away. I, th I think the nice thing is I'm lucky to have travelled a bit and I don't think I've ever had to pay for myself. There's so many opportunities out there mm. in our industry for societies and scholarships and, and to meet some absolutely amazing people. And um, re recently I was asked to speak at a conference in Australia, which I couldn't go to in the end. And I got a hell of a lot of grief from a Nuffield pal in New Zealand saying, you need to sort your job out. You need to get there. That's ridiculous. And and, that, and that's that's a nice thing. I think you just get to know loads of really nice, positive people and get to not know <laughs> negative, not nice people. I think that's where I'm at. Yeah, no, that's all good. Have you anything to add, uh, Max? No, I think I just I go go back to my last ones. The, the people I I know who've had a have had a crisis have actually been better from it. I, 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 people who've had the the a, gone gone through a, a, a scenario in life, whether it be personal or or, or business, um, if they just look at it as a uh, this is an opportunity, they can better themselves uh, from it. So that's that's what I, I'd say. This yeah, and I, I love what Chris says. It's always going to be better tomorrow, always. Yeah, no. Well, I, what a fantastic discussion. I reckon we could carry on for another another hour. It, it's, it's, it's been really, 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 really good. And I think the three little take-homes for me um, is, is take your opportunities wherever you, wherever you can, whether that be to take a break or whether that be to connect with some people. The simple things really make a difference, whether that be creating, like Tom said, the, the little five-a-side football team within the group. That could be a group of farmers or whether it's just going to a Weatherspoons for a little spot of lunch or a sandwich. They really, really do. Uh, do help and then the, the, the key thing about surrounding yourself with with positive people and, and relationships 
get involved with groups like the the, the Nuffields and the, um, the various young farmers and whatever that may be um, and, and, and talk to people. And if you can't talk, then seek some advice from people like FCN. But no, it's been a fantastic broadcast um, today. We'd really like to thank Fram Farmers for their continued support with um, these, broad, these broadcasts and technical forums, um, which we have another one planned, which hopefully might be a little bit of a bit of a twist, a bit of a spin. We'll go live from the South of England show um, on June June the 8th. Uh, more details to follow uh, from that, but that will be broadcast live on the internet as, uh, as well. But other than that, I have can, to say... Uh, can we just say, if it, if it wasn't for Wiz and Beth and the rest of the team at South of England, we wouldn't have been... Um, uh, organised here here today so uh, so efficiently. So thank you to the South of England uh, team for getting us all all sorted. I think things will be re really interesting, guys. Hopefully it's not raining here because of all the positivity that you're you're flowing out of my my laptop. Hopefully the rain will disperse. Uh, Chris will be able to get all the rest of his crops in. Um, and and, uh, um, and as Charles and and Tom, you're going to go up to five thousand head by 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 I don't know the end, end of March. Everything's positive. Well done, everyone. Thank you. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, Brilliant. Thank you all. Have a great day. Yeah. See you bye, soon. Bye-bye.